Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 this morning. Uh, Brother Joe mentioned that uh, my wife and I, were we traveled a little bit this weekend. My brother had a, uh, a meeting, and with the weather, they weren't sure they're going to be able to have it. But down in Russell Springs, about two hours south of here, they really just got a little light dusting of snow and um, no bad weather at all, to be honest, which was great because they were praying for a miracle. And uh, I think they got that. Amen. I think the Lord held them off so they could have their meeting. Uh, and I was scheduled to preach, so Brooke and I went down, and we were able to be there. Uh, we had a few young people we wanted to take because of the weather up here. We didn't get to do that, uh, but uh, the Lord, when he was dealing with me specifically about the weekend, he gave me a thought uh, from a specific verse that I have often quoted and often referenced, uh, but I've never really uh, studied, I don't guess, and I kind of started looking at that, and the Lord really grew a thought in my heart, and when he did... Uh, I was asking him for direction for that youth meeting, but he made it clear to me while I was studying it that he was going to want me to preach on it this morning as well, and that's weird for me. Uh, I generally don't love repeating messages, back-to-back especially. You know, you might wait a while and the Lord might grow one in your heart, but I know y'all haven't heard this, but still for me, I preached it last night, amen, at least somewhat. Uh, But the Lord's put it on my heart uh, when I was studying it for this church, and really I think it'll be a help to you. Um, I'd ask you to pray for me as I try to give you this. This is a heavy thought. Um, it's something that I think will be sobering, at least at the very least it was very sobering to me as I was studying it. And uh, anytime someone stands up and declares truth from the Word of God, it is a serious matter. It is not a game. It's not uh, frivolous. It's not just some fun thing or some way to pass the time. It's not something to get us from 11.30 to lunch, it is something of eternal value. Amen. You can say amen. It is of eternal value. And when I say that, what I mean is this. God is concerned and involved with what is going on when someone stands up and preaches from the Word of God. These are His words. And I'm simply a messenger. And it's my job to try and give you not... My best interpretation of God's Word, but God's Word. Amen. Everything that I say and give credit to God for this morning, I better be right that, it got, that it's God's the one that said it. Amen. I've heard a lot of people, preachers and others, stand up and say, hey, you don't like that, don't blame me. The Holy Ghost told me to say it. That's dangerous, first of all, let me just tell you. But if it's written in the Word of God, you can bank on it. Amen. There's nothing more sure than what thus saith the Word of God. And what I want to give you this morning is right out of the book today, and I hope that it'll be a help to you. Uh, I am nervous. I generally am nervous every time I get up to preach, but sometimes I'm more nervous. And I'd say today I'm more nervous than usual uh, because this is, uh, this is an important thing that I'm going to try and show you this morning, and I hope it'll be a help to you. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 9, if you're there in your Bible, please let's stand together. Uh, if you've turned there with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I'm going to read just a few verses here, <coughs> starting in verse number 7. It's good to have uh, some faces back with us this morning that's been traveling or hadn't been here. It's very good to have you here this morning. Uh, I'm glad to see you here, and I hope that you've come looking for something from the Lord. It does my heart good to see you here. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 7. The Bible says, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For a man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, for your many blessings this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for being here in this place. God, thank you for the Sunday school hour, God, for the teachers who prepared and the students who were here, God, that learned from your word. And God, thank you for meeting with us in that hour. God, I thank you for those who are here today in the service, God, who've come seeking something from your word. And God, I thank you, Lord, for those who have come maybe not seeking something from your word, but who are here nonetheless. God, I pray right now in this next little bit, Lord, that you'd help me, God. Help me, Father, to preach your word with power from the Holy Ghost. God, I pray. Help me not to say anything amiss, Lord, but to say exactly what you'd have me to say. Help me, God, to present your word pure and perfect. And God, help me, Lord, to be used by you. God, I'm simply a willing vessel, but God, help me to be a vessel that is empty of myself this morning and fill me with your spirit. God, we need you in this hour, Lord, more greatly. Every day, Lord, that passes, God, we need you more and more, God, to speak to us, God. We need you to fill us, Lord. We need you to meet with us, God. Lord, we need you to direct us, to guide us. And God, I pray this morning for the next little while, God, that you would please help our hearts and help our minds to focus in on what you've had to say to us. We love you, God. We thank you for all that you do. And we need you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Job, chapter 14, Job made this statement in verse number 1. He said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. When he wrote this concerning the brevity of life, he was also writing about the difficulty of life, right? That, the, uh, that man's days are few, they're brief, and full of trouble. He was writing that from the perspective of a man who had just endured great trouble. Can we all agree? I mean, his children had all died. All of his children. And if nothing else had occurred, I think we could all agree he had experienced some trouble in his days. Amen. I cannot imagine what that was like for him as those messengers came one by one to let him know every, 
Every bit of cattle, every bit of livestock he had was gone and had been taken by God. All of his riches and all of his wealth had been wiped away and that his own children had all perished. What a day of trouble. Can you agree? Solomon here in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is also writing about the brevity of life. If you read the first six verses of this chapter, and I won't do so for the sake of time today, but if you read the first six verses, he simply goes to say uh, that death is a certainty for all of us and that our life is short and that there is no way of knowing when that day of death is going to arrive. Amen. But we do all know that everyone that lives will also eventually stop living under the sun. Amen. Now we know about the rapture and we know that the day could come any time when the Lord might call us out. But even that, in a sense, is death to the flesh. It is leaving this life, as Solomon stated multiple times in this passage we just read, it's leaving a life that is under the sun, a life on this earth. Amen. And we know that if you have been saved, that you have eternal life. And that if you die, Paul said you are simply to sleep, if you will, that it's less than death, because death has no sting, grave has no victory, because you go on to live eternally. But your life under the sun comes to an end. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and I'm sure I'll say it many times today, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. That is simply part of life isn't it? Man's done everything he can to lengthen and escape death, but the truth is, as long as God continues to keep the appointment of death on man, it will come to everyone eventually. Some it comes soon, some it comes late, but death is a certainty of life. And while Solomon is addressing the certainty and the brevity of life, he is, he is addressing the certainty of death, he is not doing so exactly the same way as Job, because he talks less about your death and how it's coming and how uh, days are full of sorrow, more about how that while you are living, you ought to live. Amen. Brother jumped out of an airplane. That's a little more living than I want to do. I don't think I could do that. That would actually probably be the end for me. Amen. I'd just immediately die, midair. I don't have that in me. Amen. But the truth is, while we are alive, Solomon is saying very simply this. If you back it up there, I believe the verse number 4, he says this, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Amen. He said, I'd rather be a lion than a dog, but I'd rather be a living dog than a dead lion. That's what he's saying. Because when you are alive, you ought to live. Amen. And the first thing that he gives us here in these verses we've read today is, very simply, a crucial exhortation for living. He tells us by way of imparting wisdom because Solomon being that king of wisdom <coughs> is sharing some truths about life that is some very important advice, something that he truly believes and hopes the listener and the reader will take to heart and he gives us some necessary instruction. In verse number 7, he gives an exhortation for life and he says this, eat and drink and live your life. He says, uh, for God now accepteth thy works. And very simply, he's saying this when he says that God has accepted your works. He's saying that for one reason or another, God has given you something, and that is time and opportunity. 
Every soul alive on earth today has time and opportunity. Now, I don't know how much time you've got, but right now, if you are breathing air, you have time and you have opportunity. And Solomon is very simply saying, during this time that you have, you should eat and drink and enjoy life and be alive. Amen. Just the simplest parts of life that God has given the living something that He is no longer giving to those who have died. He is giving us time. And He is giving us opportunity. Amen. He gives an exhortation for life that God has accepted your works to the extent that He is still watching you and He is still giving you time and He is still giving you opportunity. In verse number 8, we have an exhortation for laughter as He says, Let thy garments be always white and let thy head lack no ointment. When He says, Let thy garments be always white, He is contrasting a time of mourning. In a time of mourning in the Jewish culture, they would adorn themselves with Black sackcloth, which was a rough, uncomfortable, dark black clothing that they did not enjoy wearing. And they would put ash on their head as a symbol of mourning. Amen. Similar to our culture today where when you might attend a funeral, you might wear a black suit in muted colors because in a time of mourning, it's considered respectful to do so. But here's what Solomon is saying. While you're living life, you should always wear white and you should always anoint your head. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a preacher, bless God, you're to have a white shirt on, as I've heard some say. But here's what it does mean. It means you ought to have a smile on your face. When you get up in the morning, don't go about your day with your head hung low, kicking a can down the street like Charlie Brown. Lift your head, put on some nice clothes, Spray on some perfume or cologne, fix your hair, and go out and live a life that has some laughter in it. Amen. That is what Solomon is saying. Right now, you have time. Right now, you have opportunity. And can I go on and say you've got a lot more than just that? You've been blessed. Amen. You've been greatly and abundantly blessed. And you have so much to be thankful for. You say, well, this isn't going like I wanted it to, or that isn't going the way I'd hoped it would. Amen. But have you not still been blessed? You've got life. You've got breath. You've got those who love you and people that you love and a church where you're at this morning with the truth of the Word of God and a living Savior. Amen. You've got something to smile about. You know what bothers me? Someone who says they're saved and never has anything good to say about anything or anybody. Their immediate reaction is to be negative and hateful and to throw shade on something they don't like and to throw dirt on something they don't like and they're always negative. That's a problem. Amen. That is no way for a Christian to live their life. Someone who does not know the Lord, whose life is full of sin and degradation, I can understand why they might get up in the morning and just be depressed and be angry and never be happy and never sure. But someone who's been saved? My goodness, you've passed from death unto life. Put on your best clothes and comb your hair and go out there and lift your head up and have joy. Amen. I know there are seasons of mourning. I've endured seasons of mourning myself and many of you have and some may even be going through some things right now and I'm not trying to make little of the troubles of life. Job said our days they're full of trouble and we face trouble but bless God. While we have time and opportunity we ought not walk around like 
woe is me. Amen. We ought not walk around looking, on, looking for an opportunity to pull the life and the enjoyment out of somebody else, like a Debbie Downer. Some people can't wait to talk bad about whatever it is you like. That's a problem. That's a heart problem. That's a mind problem. You need to put on your white garments, anoint your head, put a smile on your face and go out there. Now, I'm not saying everybody's got to be Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor all the time? But I'm saying, goodness gracious, we've been blessed. And God has given you time. What a shame it would be for you to waste it with your head low, sackcloth and ashes. What's wrong? Oh, well, you know, the government. The government's always a problem, okay? We've all, it's always something. Turn on Fox News, CBS, ABC, CNN, whatever you want to, and it's going to make you want to put on sackcloth and ashes. Amen. If you let that stuff ring in your ear all the time, it's no wonder you don't ever have a smile on your face. Because the world is designed to suck the joy of God right out of us. But if you've been saved, if you've been saved, you know what you need to do? You need to say, I'm breathing, I'm living, I'm going to put on my white garment. He said this, let your always white. Let your garments be always white. You know what he's saying? 90% of the time, we'll just back it up a little bit. Say, okay, maybe not all the time. You know, maybe I'm in mourning. Maybe some, Maybe there's something really bad that's happened, which the Bible tells us that we can have joy in the midst of our storms. Amen. But we ought to always have a spirit of joy and thankfulness. Amen. Y'all ever known that one that you don't ever ask them, how's it going? Don't ask. Nod. Hey, good to see you. God bless you. Have a great day. But don't ever say, how are you doing? Because if you do, it's going to be, well, here we go. Because some people, they're just, they're always putting on sackcloth. They're always putting on ashes. But Christians who've been saved, we need to put on the white garment, anoint our head, and walk with a little bit of a chipperness about us, a little bit of joy, a smile on your face. Amen. you got something to be happy about. Amen. If you're here this morning... God has given you time and opportunity, and if that was it, there's something to be happy about, but he's given you so much more than that. It is an exhortation for laughter. It's an exhortation for a time of joy that while we yet live and breathe, we should not walk around with our head and heart always in mourning, but we should wear bright clothes and lift up our head and show the Lord and show the world where we love him and we have joy. Amen. It's an exhortation for laughter. There's an exhortation for love in verse 9. There in the first part, he says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity. Say, well, you know what? Well, I may not be married or I may not have this, but can I tell you right now, you've got people who love you and people who you love that God has put in your life to love you, like the people in this church this morning, who can I tell you, I love you. I'm glad you're here. It is good to see you. Amen. If you're in this place today, it's because somebody loves you. Amen. We want you here, and we love you. And if you've got a husband or a wife or you've got children, amen. You know what you need to do during the time where you've got breath? You need to love the people that God has put in your life. Amen. Amen. Spend time with the people who love you and whom you love. Because can I tell you something? Time is finite. If there's one thing we've learned over these last few years, surely it's this. No man knows his time. Now, I know that's a somber thought, but it's true. 
I don't know how much time I've got with my wife, with my children, with my parents, with my brother and my sister, and with my church family and my friends, pastor friends, preacher friends, Christian friends, all of us here today. I don't know how much time I've got. I don't know how much time you've got. And very simply, Solomon has started the chapter with this truth. It's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. And while you are alive, you, he is exhorting you to love. Life is too short for hurt feelings. Can I tell you again? Life is too short for hurt feelings. Last year, my friend John passed away, and I know I've said a lot about that. <clears throat> I mentioned some about that in my message last night, and I'll mention some more about it here in a little bit probably. But after I preached last night this message, my brother got up, and he gave this testimony, and I'm going to share it with you because he shared it with them, and it was live. My buddy John, who I love, is not a flawless person. In fact, he was very flawed in a lot of ways. He had done something to a friend of ours, whether it was intentional or not, I don't know, a good friend of Caleb's, and my brother Caleb had gotten very hurt at him. One of the last things that Caleb said to me about John after we discussed what had occurred in this situation, he said, I'm just done with him. You ever said that about anybody? I'm done. Caleb never made that right. He didn't know that John's number was going to get called out in September. And now he'll live the rest of his life knowing he thought eventually maybe it'll all get worked out and John will make it right and then it'll all be fine, but that never happened. God, who is the judge, God, who decide, decided that on that day in September, John's time and opportunity under the sun was over. No matter what I think about it, what anybody thinks about it, that is just the truth. And my brother stood up in front of a 200 young people and said, I'll never get to make it right under the sun with him. I know in, in eternity, all those things be washed away. And God forgives. But as long as Caleb lives, that will be in his heart. And some of y'all this morning, you might be thinking right now of someone in your life who's passed on that maybe there was something you needed to say or tell them, and you never did. And Solomon is saying, the people in your life that God has put there and the people that God has commanded you to love, and by the way, the people that you're commanded to love are all Christians, period. In fact, Jesus said, this is how they'll know that you're my disciple, that you love one another as I've loved you. And you know how he loves us? He forgives us for everything. There's literally nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. So if you're going to love each other like Christ loves you, that's what it means. There's nothing that you can do that if God will help me, I won't forgive you for. Life is too short for hurt feelings. See, that's pretty real. 
It is real. We're not talking about theory. We're not talking about some metaphor. We're talking about life and death. And life and death are real. People die. They do. Often unexpectedly. And when they do, there is always something left undone. Isn't there? There's always something. Laundry. Things unsaid. Things undone. Don't waste the time you have not loving the people that God has put in your life. Can we say amen? You, today, have been given a gift, time, and opportunity. Today. Those things that are hovering over your head between you and a loved one, between you and a family member, between you and a friend, don't let the clock end and not deal with it. You have time. You have opportunity. And there are so many today who do not, who would give anything. Caleb was upset because of a good friend of ours had been hurt by John. And I stood there that Saturday that he died with our friend, and he said I'd, he owed him some money. He said, I'd pay every dollar just to have him here. And I don't want to try and stir up your emotions and make this some just emotional thing to elicit a response in you, but I can tell you right now, it's real. And what you have is time and opportunity. And Solomon said, spend the time with the wife that God's given you, with your children, with your husband, with your friends, with your family. Spend that time because you have opportunity and you have time now to make it right and to love them and to show them. Do not let the time run out on your opportunity or you'll live your life in regret. Amen. It's an exhortation for love, and there's an exhortation also for labor in verse number 9, there at the last part in verse number 10. He says this, For that is thy portion in this life, in verse 9, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Very simply, he is saying, every one of us eats, and every one of us drinks, and every one of us wears clothes, and every one of us laughs and cries, and every one of us spends time with folk, and every one of us does those things, and every one of us take things into our hands to do. But you know what we often do? We do things halfway, don't we? There's some things I want to do for God and things I want to do and we talk about it and we talk about it and we talk about it. Charles Spurgeon said this, no man ever served God by doing things tomorrow. Coming to church and you hear the preached word and right now, there's people in the church right now and your heart has been pricked with something from the message right now. And right now there's a battle going on inside your mind and inside your heart. I do need to make it right. I do, need to, I do need to smile. I do need to have joy. and I do need to be those things. And, and I do need to, I, I need to take this, this opportunity. I need to take it right. And right now, there's that battle going in your head. And you know what's going to happen for some of you? You're going to sit there, and the devil in your ear is going to say, you've got time. You can do it later. You can do it tomorrow. Don't worry about it right now. Amen? 
Today is the day of salvation. Today, now is the appointed time. Right now, this is it. And today is the time right now in this service when you need to make a move toward God. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. That means do it right, do it now, and do it all the way. Amen. That's what it means. It's an exhortation that when you work, work hard. When you study, study hard. When you do these things for God, do them right and do them with your heart and do them with your might. Don't wait. I'll do it later. Eventually, I want to be a witness. Eventually, I want to call them up. Eventually, I want to read my Bible more. Eventually, I want to pray more. I want to reach my family. I want to reach my friends. No, not eventually. No man ever served God tomorrow. It only happens today. So whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Why? Because there's no work where you're going. There's no device. There's no knowledge, wisdom. None of those things that you're thinking about that you need to do or that could be done that would do you good. None of those things can be done from the grave. They can be done under the sun. And right now, everyone who's alive is under the sun. That's where we are. We have a crucial exhortation for life and then in the latter part of the chapter, we're given a concerning explanation for dying. Let me give this to you quickly. In death, verse 11 tells us that your expertise is irrelevant. He said, I returned and I looked, I saw under the sun. He said, the race is not to the swift. That means that your perseverance is irrelevant. How good you are at running and going, no matter how quick you are, it won't affect your death one bit when God says the time is up. He said, the battle is not to the strong. Your power is irrelevant. The strongest warrior cannot defeat death. Your provision is irrelevant. And when he said that neither yet bread to the wise, provision is irrelevant when it comes to the fact that the, full, the fullest provision cannot prevent death. Prosperity is irrelevant in that the wealthiest billionaire cannot bribe death, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill. Popularity is irrelevant. And how liked you are in your workplace or at job or, or, or anywhere doesn't change one bit because you cannot win the favor of death. It comes to everyone. That's just simply a truth and a fact. In death, everyone is indistinguishable. That's what he said there in verse number 11 at the very end. Here's what he said. But time and chance happeneth to them all. Now, nothing is ever chance to God. God has never been surprised by anything. But chance is to us. I'm surprised by a lot of things. Something ever happened to you just out of the blue? Never would have saw it coming? How many people's lives have ended because of chance? To us, something unexpected, something unpredictable. But to God, nothing is unpredictable. We are all indistinguishable in death. And that is this very simple truth. Everyone that lives will eventually meet God. Amen. Every one of us. In death, there is an evil that's imminent. And Solomon calls it an evil in verse 12 where he said, For man also knoweth not his time as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare. So are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. This imminent evil that is coming that Solomon calls an evil is an unexpected end. It is an end that comes of no device of our own. It's just the way that it is. It is a sure end, as Hebrews said in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. It's a surprise end. 
Because he said, no, for man also knoweth not his time. Isn't that clear? None of us know when our clock is going to strike 12, but it is going to happen. Amen. And when it does, it will be a surprise. It'll be one moment it is, and one moment it is not. That is simply the way of life, and that is the decision. And it's in, it's in the, the, the hands of God that He chooses that time, and it is not for you or I to decide. It's a sudden time. So are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. The truth is, I did not expect to get a call at 4 o'clock in the morning in September of last year to tell me that my friend John had been killed. It was very sudden. So much so that it was a shock. You ever had a shock like that? I know some of you have. I know some of you have endured similar things in the last couple of years. A shock, a sudden shock, and suddenly finding out that that clock has struck. The fact of the matter is very simple, and Solomon is doing the best that he can to get it through in this chapter in Ecclesiastes, and God is trying to get it through to us this morning. We just don't know how much time and opportunity we have. But Paul, you're trying to scare me? No, I'm not trying to scare you. What I'm trying to do is get you to awaken to this truth. You have time. You have opportunity. You do. But there's a moment coming when that time will end. There's a moment coming when that opportunity to make it right or that opportunity to take in your hands and do something for God will finish. Well, eventually things will work out and I can be in church more. I can be here every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. Eventually I can be in Sunday school and I'll get involved in witnessing. And I, eventually I'll have time. No, 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 no. You have time now. But you may not have time tomorrow. You have opportunity today. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it now. The thing that God keeps whispering in your ear during church when the preacher would say, that's you, you need to do that, that you keep not doing, there's going to come a moment when that thing you've been meaning to do will never get done because your opportunity will have passed. That's why anything your hand finds to do, you ought to do it with your might. Now, don't think about doing it in the future. Do it now. Do it today. Do it today. While you yet have time. While you yet have opportunity. It'll eventually work itself out, will it? Are you sure? How many have thought that? And then the clock struck 12. And the opportunity was gone. How many? Are you living your life for God? Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said this, to live is Christ. What's your life about? Is it about you? Is your life about you? Is it about what you want, what you want to do? Or is it about God? Is it about Christ? Well, eventually I'll start living for God and I'll do more for God. No, you won't. No man ever served God tomorrow. 
If you do, it'll be today. That's the way it is. No matter what, anytime you ever do anything for God, you know when it happens? Today. No matter what day it falls on, it only happens today. You living for God, you loving for God, as we mentioned in John 13, how Jesus said a new commandment, I've given unto you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another, are you loving for God? Are you loving for God and telling others about Jesus Christ, or are you hoarding up your riches in salvation? Oh, eventually I'd like to pass out more tracts, or eventually I'd like to be more of a witness, but not today. Do you labor for God? Proverbs 18.9 says this, Solomon also wrote, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. You know what that means? Those who are slothful, that means they're slow to work. Lazy, really, I guess is the word he's trying to imply. I'm not going to do it yet. I'm not ready yet to give my life to God. I'm not ready yet to do something for God. I'm not ready yet to start reading my Bible. I'm not ready yet to be a witness. I'm not ready yet to join the church. I'm not ready yet to do the work God's called me to do. Now you have time. Now you have opportunity. But tomorrow, there may not be any time. I'm not trying to scare you. Not at all. I'm trying to encourage you. You have time. You have opportunity right now. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. You say amen? Don't waste it. Our culture is so wasteful with time. We're all guilty of it. How, many, how much time do we waste away staring at our phone, flipping through whatever social media network or watching whatever it may be on whatever streaming service? And I, we all do that, don't we? But how much of our time are we spending praying, reading our Bible, spending it with the people we love, spending it with the people who love us, reaching others for Christ, doing the work that God's given us to do? How much time... Are we spending? Because right now we have time and opportunity, but there's coming a moment when we won't. Use it while you've got it. Amen? Many aren't doing anything with their might because they've never taken anything for God in their hand to do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. What is it that you need to take in your hand this morning? What is it that God is telling you that you need to wake up and do? To wake up and be. To start. To continue. To do better. To do more. What is it that God is telling you Take in your hand and do. Because right now you've got time. Right now you've got opportunity. Let's all stand.
Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.